do you have a date tonight and you want to take her out to the swamp? Maybe, you know, want to go gigging for some frogs, something like that. Something really romantic because nothing says a romantic date like spearing a, an amphibian right in the head with a trident that they give like the Navy SEALs, that's their medal or whatever, and they give them a trident. That's what, that's what you do when you go gig frogs. You hit them in the head or you poke them in the head. Well, let's say you don't want to get blood all over your feet and you certainly don't want to get all that swamp water in your feet. Well, what other boot are you going to wear? Because I know when I go out on dates, I'm wearing dry shod boots and I'm married and she still don't care what I wear out there. So I'm staying warm. I'm staying dry on my feet when I go out on my dates or if I may have to go, you know, check some water, change, uh, change over some sprinklers, go ahead and get in the mud, maybe change out a gearbox in the mud. And I want this boot to not only keep me warm and dry, but to protect it. That's why I got the steel toed. Can you believe they make a steel toed rubber boot? I can't imagine it. But Dryshod USA, that's the dryshodusa.com. That's the website you're going to go to. And also, you you can find them on Twitter. And their handle is at Dryshod Footwear. Now, they, Dryshod Footwear, you'll better be following me because you're only following like nine people right now, and I'm not one of them. And you've got 111 followers, so come on, let's pick it up a little bit. But check them out, dryshodusa.com, and you won't be sorry. If you're going on a date, you won't be embarrassed. Dryshod dryshodusa.com Sometimes in life you find yourself on the right side of the line This looks like what Roger Moore would look like if he had his feet up in imaginary stirrups while he was laying out on a beach towel Brent, that, that just taint right <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised they used toilet paper uh-huh. That Dixie cup you're drinking from looks like a shot glass Did your head get that much bigger? It looks like the Unabomber with a hat on Now a member of the Global Ag Network Jesus. Well, everybody, believe it or not, this is an actual, well, I don't know. I wouldn't call this a serious episode with you, Kevin. It, I hope it's not too serious. God, I hope not. Well, everybody, th- that's not Landon you just heard. That is the mm-hmm. Reverend Kevin Bushart. He is our preacher, pastor, Reverend. What are you? Um, I'm revved up most of the time. Which? Uh, so what's the ranking order? Pastor, preacher, <laughs> Reverend? What's the what's the pecking order there? Uh, Pro- Protestants, we don't worry too much about. You get over into the Episcopals and the Catholics, they've got reverends and right reverends and bishops and archbishops and popes. I, I, I'm, I'm trying for pope, but I haven't been asked yet. Oh, there's too many skeletons in that closet. <laughs> well, if everybody is, has, hasn't already turned off this episode yet, no, this is a real this is a real person. This isn't some bit we're doing. I thought we would get the uh, the man of the hour. I don't know if he's a man of the hour. Have you ever been the man of the hour? Did you ever listen to the Hour of Power with the, the hour of power. Shuller? Yeah, it's Hour of Power. He's still power. alive? No, no, he 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 died, lost everything. Jeez. Well, uh, yeah, he was my. I remember, always remember my mom watching that before we go to go to church but, on Sunday mornings. I will tell you, I was I was Citizen of the Year in Melrose, New Mexico, back in 1998. Was that like a uh, you were just the, the next one in line or what? I was the first non-native-born Melrose, New Mexican to ever be named Citizen of the Year. What do you get for that? 
a plaque. A plaque. And that was it. You know what you get in Hereford? <laughs> you get a piece of crap <laughs> on a plaque. <laughs> you get a cow chip on a plaque. No, no, I didn't. No, I seriously, I was kind of shocked when they did that. I was because uh, I was on the volunteer fire department and I made. 98% of the calls because I was the only one in town. I mean, in Melrose, there's only five people. So, right. So I was in town and went on all the fire calls, and so they made me Citizen of the Year. All the yeah. all the finalists for Melrose Citizen of the Year could all be at the same dinner table every night. Just about. Just about. <laughs> well, I thought we'd bring on Kevin. Uh, he's always been a uh, – he's been our preacher here at the First United Methodist Church in Hereford for the last, what, God, 100 years? 11 years. years. And unfortunately, sadly, they'll be leaving us and they'll be moving on to another church here this summer. And I thought I'd try to get him on the podcast before they uh, took off and I could get him with a good microphone voice and not something over the telephone. So, Kevin, why don't you tell us a little about yourself, how you got started. You're, uh, I know you uh, were a military man. Why don't you start there and, uh, and, and give us a little info? Well, it was a dark and stormy night back <laughs> on now. I was, my mother was in terrible pain and I was charging through. I was, I was actually born on a Sunday morning, kept my mother from going to church. I'm the youngest of seven kids. My mom got up, got all my brothers and sisters ready for church, sent them off to Sunday school, said to my dad, we probably ought to go to the hospital. I was born about 20 minutes after they pulled Jeez. into the parking lot. So yeah, I, I, my mom was superwoman as far as I was concerned. Wow. Seven so you kids. just fell right on out, and there next was. thing you know, you're in New York State. I was. I grew up in New York and went to college, and then uh, was going to be a preacher from when I was a young boy. Um, that was always everybody told me I was going to be a preacher, but uh, I kind. What did you say? I well, no, I kind. That's what I wanted to do, and uh, I preached my first sermon when I was about 13 years old oh, in our man. home church. But uh, anyways, I, after Bible college, I, I, there, it, there's a long story that doesn't matter, but I, I strayed and, and uh, ended up walking into a recruiter's office one day. And uh, next thing I knew, I was in the processing line and joined the U.S. Air Force. Nice. I don't know why I did it to this day, but I'm kind of glad I did. It worked out. But you weren't. You didn't fly. You were a uh, airplane guy, though. I was an aircraft mechanic on KC one thirty five, the refuelers. So does everybody that go in the Air Force? Do they they all think they're going to be pilots? <laughs> no, no. And it was funny because when I got to basic training uh, in the in the military to be an officer, you have to have a bachelor's degree. Right. I already had my bachelor's degree. My recruiter and I didn't know anything much about the military. My recruiter never told me that uh, I could have gone straight in as an officer. Oh, yeah. And when I got down to uh, to Lackland there in San Antonio, uh, my my drill instructor, a little little black lady, about five foot nothing tall, she made grown men cry in their sleep. I mean, this lady, was she was scary. Wow. And uh, anyway, she says to me one day, she says, why, why, why are you here? And I said, well, that's where it told me to come, ma'am. And she said, well, you could have gone to OCS. I said, I could have, yeah, she said, officer candidate school. You should have been on the other side of the base. I said, well, can I go now? And she just laughed at me and walked away. <laughs> so. There's lots of sympathy in the United States military, I take it. <laughs> so, anyways, but uh, no, I ended up in, uh, they told me I had an aptitude for mechanics, which I do not. Um, <laughs> I, I, Did you take I, the ASVAB test? I took the ASVAB and I scored high in aircraft mechanics. The military, I don't know what it's like now, but in the 80s, I mean, these things were written, you know, the tests were like, Dick and Jane have a brown dog. What color is Dick and Jane's dog? Oh. I mean, it was, 
It was, it was some rocket science. It was ridiculous. I'd go in there and I'd take the tests in basic, and I'd be done in, I'd be done in like three minutes, you know. And they're like, "Well, well, we we allotted forty five minutes for this test. This is this is stuff I did in third grade." Yeah. They just kind of shook their head and told me to go sit down and study my books. We we really thought the connect the dots puzzle <laughs> would really throw you for a little bit. Well. But anyway, so I ended up working the flight line, and uh, and it was it was interesting. I got to actually in a sh- uh, just in five years, five and a half years, but I uh, got to travel a lot: Saudi Arabia, uh, Spain, the Azores Islands. Spent four years in England, and uh, it was it was a good experience. What was the best place to go to? You know, I really, frankly, I really enjoyed um, I really enjoyed England. I mean, we were there four years, and I loved it. Uh, well, yeah, you found a woman there. I did. I, I went. I was kind of a broken man and uh, uh, broken marriage. There's like four Johnny Cash, Merle Haggard songs we've covered so far. Just what? so you know, <laughs> just you were born on a Sunday morning. <laughs> you were a broken man in England. Did you shoot a man in Reno just to watch him die too? I did not shoot a man in Reno, but I did drink a beer on Friday night. So there you go. I'm down at the club, but I met met my bride over there, and uh, it, it it you know. It worked out okay in the end. So far, it's it's worked out pretty good on the whole marriage side. Well, that's good to hear. Always like to hear a good military story when I can find one. Well, guys, we're going to talk a little bit religion, a little bit. I'm going to try to ask the questions that uh, people don't want to get asked or uh, you don't think you can ask a preacher, but after 11 years, trust me, this cat can – you can ask him anything and he'll say that's what she said because at this <laughs> point, he doesn't have any – he's spent. At this point, I'm done. <laughs> but uh, we're gonna have a uh, we're gonna have a holy commercial and a uh, forecast here in a second, and we'll be back with our main interview and a little rapid fire question. I don't know if we'll have a time for a heaven and hell quiz or not, but um, I'm I'm curious to where he uh, I'm curious to see what he thinks what certain famous people's final destinations were. But we'll be here with all that and more on the Dryline Farmer Podcast. Let's pretend for a moment that it's 1000 BC and you're just a lonely Hebrew single guy wandering the wilderness for 40 years and don't have one notch on your belt to account for. What do you do? There's no eHarmony.com or anything like that. How are you going to get your name out and let all the women know, all 12 tribes, that you're in the mood? for a little love. Well, here at Foreskins for a Wife, we are just the company you need. Foreskins for a Wife. It was good enough for David, and it was good enough... I mean, let's think about it for a second. You want a, you want a babe, right? You know, preferably in the uh, Benjamite tribe. And the only way that the king will let you have his daughter is if you go out and whack like a thou like a billion Philistines and you okay you go out drop their like I don't know what kind of skirts they wore back then and then you just start getting that little uh that little guillotine thing and just start whacking down just going down the line and you've got to bring like a bag full of these things and he'll just, all you got to do is do that and he'll give you your daughter well that's why we're here for you four skins for a wife these are pre-packaged you don't have to go out and kill anybody. Don't tell us how we got. Don't ask us. We'll tell you if you ask us, but don't ask us how we got these. Four skins for a wife. Why do it yourself when you can buy it on Amazon? 
even though it didn't really exist 3,000 years ago. Four skins for a wife. You won't even break a sweat to get your pet. You know, that's what they called them back then, the wives, pets, and concubines and all that. Thanks for that forecast, and uh, y'all need to find a church pretty quick. Uh, I know that your lives are going down a wrong path, and uh, I'm sure going to one church service will fix it, right? We we can get them whipped up into shape. There pretty you quick. go. Because everybody that goes to church is uh, it's just kind of like getting a shot, like a coronavirus shot. It's just kind of one stop and go, and that's it. I mean, you know, hell with it. You're, you're sanctified <laughs> right there on the spot. So, no, it don't work that way. It doesn't work that quite well. We might learn a bit, of, a little bit about that here on this segment of the Dryland Farmer Podcast. Check out this music I got for you. It's never been played before, but here we go. Yeah. Oh, it doesn't have any words. All right, Kev. So you now you're a Methodist. You're a Methodist preacher. Now is that where I you grew am. up? No, I didn't grow up in the Methodist church. But uh, it, it, after we left England, we came back to New York. Another wonderful military thing. I put in for every base from Florida to Maine, and they sent me to Albuquerque, New Mexico. Jeez. And it's a true story. I walked into my commander's office with my orders in my hand, the uh, the the green and white computer computer papers. And uh, I walked in there, and I, I looked at my commander, and, and this is what I said to him. Y'all excuse me, but I said, sir, where the hell is Albuquerque, New Mexico? <laughs> and he just laughed. I grew up in the Northeast. I mean, you know, I didn't, we traveled. We're big some. on geography, were you? Well, I just I didn't know anything about the Southwest other than I'd been to, well, I guess I went to San Antonio, but 
that wasn't much. Yeah, you didn't see much in basic. No, you probably didn't see much outside of the you, what your what, uh, KP the, duty and yeah, your you thirty go. mile run run every day or whatever yeah, y'all not, did. Not quite thirty, but no. We <laughs> and then, uh, but anyway, so uh, we ended up in Albuquerque and we got involved with a little Methodist church out there, and and uh, it it ended up being a good thing, and that was that was when. Uh, We'll do the serious stuff, then you get to the good stuff. Okay. I, I That was when my life sort of started to change and turn around, and I come back to realizing that I, I needed to do what God asked me to do. So went to seminary from there and uh, been back out in this area. The rest is history. So you mentioned that about uh, kind of you knew you were going to be a preacher. Tell me about the whole calling thing. When people is that is that a deal that's overused when people said, oh, I've been called to this, or is it? You're just leaving it up to them to really knowing that they're saying the truth, or there it's just not something that people say anymore. It's it's pretty subjective, but but actually there should be some objective um, evidence. I mean, you know, I I I knew one guy that was told me he wanted to go into ministry. Brent, I'm telling you, this dude, I mean, he could he could bore a dead fish. I mean, this guy was, and and he had no skills. He had no people skills and. And I was on a committee interviewing him. We sat down with him and we said, look, you know, Bill, that was his name. We said, Bill, you're a nice guy. Uh, this isn't the place for you. And he, of course, got angry and stormed out. But uh, So he showed a little bit of personality. Though. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I mean, that that there people hear a call. There should be some evidence of it. But uh, it, it is somewhat subjective, yeah. Can it be like for anything? What do you mean? Like I mean, anything in life? Oh, yeah. But but I think sometimes it's it's used. You know, you, you hear these, these preachers. Well, God told me to go lock myself in this tower till everybody gave me one million dollars. Yeah. You know, and then I'm gonna go do this or go do that. Well, you know, I'm probably not, I'm not, not. Sure. probably not. Other than the fact that your wife needed a new Porsche, yeah. I guess, but uh, that that's a whole nother story for me. <laughs> so all right, so the uh, the big the, the preachers that make all the money, the big money guys. What do you think? Are nice. preachers are preachers free to make all the money they want, or is, or is it just a bad th- is it a bad case of bad optics? I I don't know if that's the best thing. I, I always I always said a, a pastor ought to uh, ought to make what the average person in his congregation makes, and ought to shouldn't make a whole lot more or a whole lot less. You know, it depends on your congregation. But yeah, this thing of these guys and, and a lot of them they do some pretty dubious stuff that I wouldn't. It wouldn't be my my choice, let's put it that way. So if there was a church in Hollywood, you'd want to be a preacher of it because the median income would be like, you know, $30 million per picture? Yeah, probably not. Uh, <laughs> not not my... I'm, I'm a country kid at heart. I grew up in a small rural town in upstate New York and dairy farms, and I'm just a, I'm just a country kid. I'm not real interested in anything much beyond that. Oh man, yeah. Can you imagine? Yeah, I can't imagine. I'm sure that I mean, obviously there's churches over there, but uh, I remember we were going to Seattle for a deal one time, and and the uh, I was looking up churches just for just a out of the heck of it. Maybe we might go see one like a Methodist church, and all over their web page was not. It was about a certain social <laughs> construct that had a bunch of different colors, rainbow colors. Yeah, and uh, you know. I don't want to get go there, but that's all. That's all it was about. It wasn't about anything else. That was that was their. I mean, it was it was their religion. That was their religion. Well, you know, I think a person can even be. Uh, it, it, you know, even on a even if you look on a more conservative side, you can be. I don't want to say you want to be balanced in the in the 
you know, in your approach to life. Yeah. I mean, you know, you got to you got to laugh. You got to smile. You got to enjoy life. You got to have a sense of humor. And there's time to be serious and there's time to be a little more. Okay, let me let me pull up Ecclesiastes real quick right, here yeah, because I do know that. Three, yeah, yeah I, uh, I, told, I got my I didn't I didn't bring my hard copy Bible, but I do got my phone with Bible Gateway on it, and we can we can. Do you have the uh, what version do you have there? Do you have the like Greek Septuagint on there? <laughs> what do you got? No, I don't. I I did I did study Greek, but it's been a long time. I, I knew a little Greek. He lived right down the street from me. Um, <laughs> Good gyros. Uh, yeah, good gyros. <laughs> Actually, our church had a Greek pastor when I was growing up. That was interesting. Wow. Yeah. He speak it or speak oh, Latin? Oh, yeah. yeah oh, he no. speak Greek. Yeah, he preached right out of the Greek New Testament. Was it, it was, so what was his name? Polynokonokonos or what? Uh, Nicolaus Santacletes. Yeah, that's about as Greek as it gets. <laughs> yeah. It's about as big Greek as it gets. All right. What do you say to, what do you say to atheists, devout atheists? You better be right. Yeah? <laughs> I mean, you know, you... Everybody's got to make their own choices in life. I can't make a person believe anything and share my belief, and you, you do with you what you got to do. In your opinion, what do you think makes an atheist an atheist? I, I, I There are very few true atheists <laughs> in the world, I, I think. They, everybody believes in something. Yeah. Just may, I think it might be themselves. Are, I think people are more agnostic whether or not there's a supreme God, but, you know, it's... That's just my view. Of course, in our in our uh, belief, it does them just as good. Yeah. You know, agnostic or atheist. I mean, if you don't know or you don't think you know or you know you don't, you know. Did Did you hear about the uh, dyslexic agnostic? <laughs> no, I didn't. Yeah, he sat up all night wondering if dog really existed. <laughs> Let me go ahead and mark that because that that uh, amount of uh, audience off the charts yeah, there. There you go. We're, we're in <laughs> trouble now. Yeah, you know, uh, I listen to this guy. He's on, fa- or um, he's all over Facebook. Frank Turek. Have you heard of him? No. He's a uh, he's an apologist, and uh, his podcast has a podcast called "I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist." Yeah. And he uh, goes to all these you know college campuses and stuff and does that. And he always he's got a book, of course, a book or two, and he's got some really good compelling arguments. I mean, he breaks down physics and you know the whole um, what do you call it? Starts with an M, but um. He's pretty. He's a pretty pretty good guy to uh, listen to on uh, apologetics. Well, you know, I mean, you gotta you gotta take a look at the world around us. You're a farmer, you know. Yeah, I guess it could have all happened by chance, but what's science tell you? Everything has a cause and effect. Yeah. Whether you call it God or not, it's really. I mean, to me, it's important, but that's up to you. But uh, things don't. You know, I can. I can take the pieces of my cell phone, throw them up in the air a million times, and it's never going to form a frame. Right. Somebody's got to put the thing together. Right. And that, that to me, is one of the strong arguments for God. Yeah, you know, the more I, I read a bunch of history books and science, or, you know, nonfiction books, and I mean, the more and more, especially, especially medicine, especially the human body, the more and more I read it, I mean, the more it solidifies my belief that there is no way that that stuff came by any type of chance. I mean, there's not a number big enough i mean one and whatever the biggest number that's ever been counted to it's just impossible for that for that type of design to come together i mean well, to people, form something you know and again people got to make choice one thing i learned a long time ago i can't make anybody believe anything nobody could make me believe anything you know right i did some stupid stuff as a young man and my parents would say to me kevin don't do that and i said oh, i can do it i know what i'm doing and you know sure enough uh, five years later i find out mom and dad weren't as dumb as i thought they were <laughs> You know, and that's everybody's got to come to their own conclusion. But I, you know, I, I think there's some strong evidence. You heard the Mark Twain uh, take on that. It's like, well, when I was uh, 
when I was 15 years old, I couldn't believe how much my parents didn't know. By the time I was 30 and came back home, I was amazed at the amount of stuff they learned in 15 years. Amazing what, what mom and dad learned. So. Yeah, it's a pretty it's a pretty good saying to it. So, yeah. Um, so we got the coronavirus going on. What do you say? And I probably know what you're going to say. What do you say to the people like the religious zealots that say this is God's judgment? Oh, good. I'm glad. Get yeah. this thing over with. No, I... Hey, listen seriously. I, I this stuff is uh, this stuff's bad, and and uh, I I don't think you know you can look back too much. There's too many examples in history of, of other other diseases. I, I don't think it's I don't think it's an intentional thing. I think it's just a sign that we live in a broken world where bad people happen and sick people happen, and you know I mean I could go into a lot of a lot of deeper theology on that. I I don't want to make light of it either, but. Uh, you know, I, I think there's so much more to it than just, just you know, God did this to us. Now, do I think God has a control and a hand? I, I do. Um, but, yeah, we, we just live in it. We live in a broken world where people get sick and they die. It's been that way since since Adam and Eve, you know, and that's what we deal with. So, okay, next next here. What do you say about, uh, I saw somebody on uh, was it Twitter the other day. This has been a few months ago. And they were serious, and I'm guessing they were serious. But they were they got on Twitter and they asked people to pray for them that they could find their keys. You know, I guess you can pray about anything. I, I I'll tell you the truth, Brent. Uh, I I lost my class ring when I was in high school, and I actually prayed I'd find my class ring. The next spring, I was out turning my dad's vegetable garden over with a rototiller. Sure enough, there was my ring. I, that's a true story. Did it, it sprout? Now it just had sat there all winter. I guess it came off, and I didn't realize it the fall before. And I looked all over, and then and then five years later, somebody stole it from me. So <laughs> I guess I, I still still freaking, don't have it. <laughs> freaking oh man! It just ticked me off. It was that was back when they were real gold too. I mean, yeah, that was solid gold. So coincidence or answer your prayer? Uh, I no, actually, I think I think. I think sometimes, you know, God does intervene that way in our in our lives, and and I've seen those prayers answered. So I'm going to tend to say uh, answer to prayer. Very good. That's what you're supposed to say, right? No, no, you can yeah. say you can say anything you want to, but uh, uh, let's see. So yeah, no, I don't know. It's just kind of like, are you are we really kind of delegitimizing uh, delegitimizing prayer when you're asking for everybody to? Would y'all just pray for me? I I, I found I missed a button. I missed a button this week on my shirt, and I know if I redo it, it's going to be bad luck. Y'all pray for me that that doesn't happen. Yeah, I, I you know I think you got to be careful with it. I you know prayer prayer uh, the biggest gossip chains in the church sometimes are the prayer prayer chains. I went to a, a prayer meeting. It's another true story. I have a lot of true stories. Uh, I went to a prayer meeting one time, and and th- this really happened. This lady stands up and. She started naming this guy who was a high-powered official in town. And, and in the middle of her prayer, she said, and we just need to pray for Mr. I won't say his name because yeah. people might actually know him. Uh, we need to pray for Mr. So-and-so because we know he's having an affair with his secretary. <laughs> I, I, seriously. Yeah. This was at a public prayer meeting. And she started going on about this guy's affair. And So I'm do you gonna, think she was uh, really wanting to pray for him or she just wanted to get it out? I think she wanted to put it out yeah, there. That's, that's what, I think. what was happening, you know, so. See, prayer, prayer isn't just um, asking for things. That I, and I say this every Sunday to our congregation. Prayer is communication. It's talking and listening. It's two-way. And uh, so, I, yeah, I, I think you need to, I think we need to be careful with it. 
But I also think God, God cares about the little things in life. He cares about your crops. He, he cares about your cattle. He cares about, you know, what's going on in the world. He cares about coronavirus. Um, but, but God also isn't, we're not robots where he just makes everything happen and makes us do everything. We, we have free choice and free will, and that's the world we live in. Yeah, yeah, I like that. That's pretty good. All right, this time I always wanted to ask you, do you have any good stories from the deathbed, from your deathbed um, vigils you've had? I, they, Supernat- you, supernatural stories. Um, one was a young lady here in, uh, in, in, in our community, not long after I'd been here. Um, a lot of people knew her, and it, it's really, this isn't talking out of school. Her family's okay with her sharing this. Uh, many of y'all remember Lindsay. She had uh-huh. a brain tumor. And uh, I was with her um, just before she passed, and there was another pastor there. And he said to her, Lindsay, he said, uh, when you see the Jesus, when you see Jesus, just run towards him. The true story still gives me chills and brings tears to my eyes. At, right after he said that, she stuck her arms up and held her arms straight out in front of her and pulled him in like she was hugging somebody and laid back on a pillow and died. True story. Wow. Watched it happen. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, it was uh, it was pretty powerful moment. So was she like, um, not vegetative at that moment, but was, was she not moving before that? Not much. I mean, she was, you know, I'm heavily sedated and everything because of the pain. So she, should she have been able to do that? I, that you know, that kind of muscle movement. I I I'm not medical enough to know. I you know, but no, I think I think it was a real supernatural moment. Now I've seen some other things, Brent. And this, <laughs> tell on me. The, on the other side, I I was doing a funeral one time, and we brought the casket out of the church, and we set it up in the uh, in the foyer area of the church I was at, and people were you know doing the walk by the casket thing, and uh, it. I was talking to a funeral director, and all of a sudden I hear this noise over in the corner. A Kodak camera. And I look over, and there's the family. And they said, okay, Billy, get in there and give Grandma a kiss. And they're holding the little kid up to the casket, kissing Grandma. Oh, my gosh. And they shot two and a half rolls of Polaroid film kissing Grandma and holding Grandma. And they had all the grandchildren around the casket. And it, but it was just like every 30 seconds, you know, that, that noise yeah, that right. Polaroid cameras make. And we just, oh, oh my god! I talked to the funeral director. I said, you ever seen that before? He said, no. And, and we were just, we were both dumbfounded, but they, they were happy. They had their, their film of grandma with wow. kids with grandma just before she. Did they like lift her corners of her mouth up to make her smile or <laughs> no, anything? No, it was just, it was pretty. It was pretty morbid. Uh, it was different i you know i guess back in the old days i used to take pictures with dead people but I, yeah it, the it, dead people were only ones smiling in the picture i never it, it's not something i uh i would i would necessarily want to do again <laughs> yeah i don't uh it's not really a memory i have to have i'm gonna try to remember grandma when she was making cookies or something yeah you know so not when she was laying there full of you know embalming fluid I'm going to write two books when i retire hopefully in about another seven or eight years one book's going to be jokes i couldn't tell from the pulpit <laughs> And the other is going to be uh, funeral and wedding stories. Oh my oh, gosh! Man. You know, we I had a, I had a pastor friend down Marfa, and uh, he was doing a graveside service out on a ranch. They were burying grandma out on the ranch, and uh, it's sandy down there, you know. And the grave the grave gave way, and he was, said, next thing he knew, he was laying down in the grave, looking up at the casket, <laughs> laying there in his suit, 
covering. Oh, dirt. wow. He had another meeting to go to. He said it was one of those days, you know, down in West Texas where we're, where we're in the Permian Basin where we're going back to, you know, and in the summer, you know, it's 134 in the yeah. shade. And, uh, Good luck this, with that, by the way. Yeah, I can't wait. Um, but this guy was standing there and the, laying down underneath the, <laughs> laying under the cat. And when he was telling me the story, I, I couldn't help. I mean, I had tears coming out. I was laughing so hard because I know him and he's kind of a, not really a serious guy, but he just, you know. It he's, just, he'll cut up. It, it just, the picture of him laying underneath the casket. <laughs> Did he <laughs> say, damn, it's hot down here. <laughs> get back, get back. <laughs> Turn around. No, that's not light. That's flames. Oh, Go the other geez. way. Oh. So, poor guy. I mean, I, I actually felt bad for him, but I thought it was pretty. I thought it was a pretty funny, pretty funny thing. So, you uh, see some things. I watch those near. Do you watch any of those near death ex, uh, experience videos on YouTube? I watch the heck out of those. I love those things. Yeah, there, there's there are forces. I think, and I, I don't want to get into the the weird, but I think there are. Forces well, now I hope us. you do. There are forces that are beyond us. That there are things we can't understand. So my mom told me that I don't know why this was. Well, I know why it sticks out because it's terrifying. But she said she was what was she watching it on the news or something or it was a news story report. And um, no, maybe somebody was telling her this uh, firsthand, a firsthand person. But uh, so these paramedics found this guy on the side of the road. It was a wreck, and they came up on this guy, and he was on the side of the road, and he was messed up bad. And they was they were bringing him in in and out of consciousness. And they lost him for a while and um, finally got him back. He said, they said, he looked up at him and said, don't let me die. Don't let me die. They're coming to get me. Oh, man. And he died. Yeah. But he said, don't let me die. They are coming to get me. And that, I don't know why that, I didn't, that was a story I heard second or third hand. And if that's true, I mean, if that doesn't scare you, I don't know what does. Well, I, you know, that the, the, you want to do the heaven and hell quiz, but the, that heaven and hell, hell's not just about a fire escape. No. It's not about getting, you know, you're supposed to live a life that, that glorifies God. But yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I've, I've been at, I've been at gravesides or in or at bedsides too, where people that really didn't demonstrate a, a knowledge of God. And, and um, I, I'm telling you, it's a different example yeah. between that and somebody knows the Lord. I did a, I did a funeral one time and the family comes in and says to me, they said, now, um, you know, pastor, they, I didn't know him. It was what I used to call them generic funerals. We need a preacher. Oh, we think, uh-huh. And we think dad was Methodist some time ago. Oh. No, no church affiliation. And so I'm doing this uh, meeting with the family in my office there. And uh, this was in another place. And the, the family comes in <laughs> and they said, now, now, preacher, we, we just got to be really honest with you. Dad was not a nice guy. Um, he was actually under investigation by the FBI for running illegal gambling tax evasion um he liked women uh-huh. and um, he liked to pay for women and you know and they, and they were telling me all this they're real honest about it so we loved our dad but he was not a nice guy uh-huh. and they said we don't know what you're going to do with that but but we just need you to know <laughs> but here's some material just in case and uh, they went on about this deal with the fbi you know after him and they they were they, i guess they were hot on his tail he'd been okay. running uh, illegal card games so I get to the funeral, and I stood up, and there was a lot of people there. He was real well-known. And uh, there was a bunch of people in the chapel there at the, the funeral home. Did they chapel. all have Italian suits and no. dark sunglasses? <laughs> no, I was I was waiting for the Guido to come in the back door. <laughs> but uh, anyways, so we get up, and I, I stood up, and I looked out at the congregation, and I'm thinking, what am I going to say? What am I going to say? And I said, 
You all knew Buddy. <laughs> he was an entrepreneur. <laughs> well, the whole place just, I mean, the family was just in hysterics. And uh, after. Did you get a curtain call? Did you come back for five more minutes? I got to stay the whole time. And uh, afterwards, afterwards, the son came up to me and he said, Dad would have loved that. <laughs> so that was perfect. So, you know, it's kind of hard when they come in and, and uh, don't give you much material yeah. to work with. Or, or that kind of material to work with. I, I, I did another one of those generics in uh, the, where they, they, I called the, the, the widower and I said, you know, I need some information on your, your, your wife. wife I said, yeah. I don't know him. And uh, he said, well, he said, uh, she worked at the country store out in this little town. He said, she worked there for 40 years. I said, okay. And he said, and I said, well, you know, could you tell me a little about family? No, she worked at the country store for 40 years. I said, well, could, could I come out and visit you? No, I just said, I don't want you to visit me. And he said, she worked at the country store for 40 years. Yeah. Shortest funeral I've ever did. I think it was about eight and a half minutes, and we were done. Anybody <laughs> there? Yeah, there was a few people, including a son that he didn't tell me he had. And, and uh, Did he you know, know he had? He knew it, but he wasn't part of the family anymore. So, you know, I mean, uh, I'm telling you, uh, people in times of grief, it's some weird things. You, you, you get some weird stuff. The filter happens. probably comes off. It does. It does. And, you know, you kind of kind of identify the person that's really upset over mom dying and then the one that's just the one that's in charge and making all the plans and the one that's in the corner just kind of going, uh, I don't know what to do. You know? Yeah. So but but you work with them. And, and, and frankly, honestly, I, I, I joke that I prefer funerals to weddings because weddings is too many divas, you know, <laughs> funerals. Funerals, nobody's talking back to you most of the time. <laughs> most of the time. <laughs> I mean, I guess you can screw up a funeral. You can definitely screw up a wedding, but, I mean, you can literally kill at a funeral and it's okay. Uh, yeah, well, we try not to do that, <laughs> but we don't want to put anybody extra in the in the box. You know, yeah. one's, one's enough. Um, <laughs> but, and, and mo honestly, though, most of the time, you know, it's it's a they're actually it's actually a joy. It really is celebrating somebody but but it, it is i've seen some weird things happen in in funeral homes and in churches and, yeah and uh, as far as people yeah i mean in the way people grieve and you know you've always got usually there's one that's uh miss dramatic i mean obviously losses yeah right lost, but you know there seems to be some sort of reasonable <laughs> sure i've experienced a lot of <laughs> hey okay ma'am that's enough <laughs> two boxes of kleenexes that's your limit Dry it up, suck it up. <laughs> well, I I did one where you got the, the the current wife and the ex wife sitting together on the front row. Wow, and that's that's a lot of fun. Yeah. Or uh, or, or or the the weddings where well you got mom and his wife and then you got uh -huh. dad and her husband and then you've got the third ex wife sitting over there. Jeez. And, you know. So not not quite not fun. quite a Walton's Christmas. They're, they're sometimes they're not. Most, most time, I don't have any problems, but I have had a, I have had a few. Have had a few. All right. So, what do people need to stop saying right now, that they say all the time that just bugs the hell out of you? Thoughts and prayers. <laughs> well, it, it, it's fine. You know, I'm praying for you if you really are, but you're not, so don't say it. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I, I, Billy, Billy, I'll pray for you. And then uh, a week later, you see Billy walking down the street, and you go, 
Oh, dear Lord Jesus, be with Billy. Hey, Billy, I've yeah. just been praying for you. <laughs> you know, thoughts of prayer. I might pray for you, but I'm not going to be thinking about you the whole time. I mean, come on. That's a lot to ask, don't you think? Well, some, some, of, the, some of the people, you know, the, the media are the ones that kill me. You know, our thoughts or prayers are with this person or yeah. with these people. No, you're not. Don't lie. No, no, no. I said, you're, you're looking for the next gory story to tell yeah. on the news. We want to, Yeah, you want to talk about the next guy that lost an arm and four fingers on the other hand. And then, and then they'll say, and now we have good news for you, and it's like a 30-second spot. 30 seconds. You know, Billy found his pet dog. Isn't that good news? Okay, <laughs> yeah. moving on, folks. Jeez, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's right right now my, my, my big pet peeve is, and, and I probably, you know, you may lose your license over this, but one of the- License? One of the, one of the, local, one of the local TV networks that keeps carrying this facts over fear- and then they tell oh, yeah. you, they tell you all the people that are dying from coronavirus, and we're short of meat. But don't panic by, and we're just giving you facts, not fear. What? What is your problem? <laughs> I love how we're out of out of food, and they're pouring milk out in the on the pavement in the Midwest because they have too much of it to sell. Yeah, yeah, you know, I mean, uh, it's it's kind of hard to kind of hard to make that. But yeah, yeah, I, my thoughts and prayers. I great idea if you're actually going to pray. Yeah. For them. Uh, you know, if if you're not going to pray for him, don't 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 say. It. My other my other pet peeve is is God has a plan for everything. I'm, you know, no, I don't know if everything. Does God know everything? Yes. Does God have a plan for everything? I, you know, you're, you know, my 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 pet dog got run over. Well, God has a plan for everything. Yeah. Uh huh. <laughs> we. Uh, my, my wife and I, and it's not to bring us down, my, my wife and I lost a child when we were uh, newly married. We had a little baby boy, and he didn't live very long. But, um, you know, and, and, and we, we got through it, and we had a lot of friends, a lot of support. But I can't tell you how many people sent us cards uh, that said, God needed a flower in don't heaven. Don't say it. Don't say it. And so he picked he picked your child and planted oh, this, plant, planted in heaven. I remember saying to my wife, well, why didn't you go dig in somebody else's garden and right. leave mine alone? <laughs> Jeez. You know, so, so you know, we, we have free choice. We have free will. We live in a broken world. And uh, so sickness, disease, death are part of our world. Um, but I'm not sure that, that it's all orchestrated in some sort of grand plan. Now now I'm probably going to lose my ordination certificate over that. <laughs> so. Is that not Methodist protocol? Yeah, actually, that that's more Methodist. It's more the... the, the uh, Presbyterian style that, that says, you know, everything is laid predestined. out predestined. Predestined, yeah. I don't that's that's and I grew up in a Presbyterian style church, so I've 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 got a I've got a pretty uh checkered uh pedigree. I, I went to a I was raised in a reformed church, Dutch Reformed, which is which is the, the seedbed of Calvinism really. And then uh, I went to a Baptist college and while I was in a Baptist college, I was attending a fundamentalist Baptist church, where you know, soul running, bus running, doing this, doing that church. And then, uh, and then my years in the military, where I was in the Church of Life, and then Church of Life. Yeah, you learn you learn a lot about your faith and religion when you're. What when did you're you drink at that communion? Oh man, I, I, you know, like white lightning or what? <laughs> I, I, a, a lot of Michelob, <laughs> Mickey's and, wide mouth, and uh, we were face down on the pavement a lot of weekends, unfortunately. Oh man! Uh, but paid paid a price for that. But uh, but then you know, and then we ended up in the Methodist church, and that's kind of, this kind of been our spiritual home for the last thirty years. Yeah, we're 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 
keeps going. It's, it's okay. It's all right. right. Where I'm gonna, the Methodist Church has got its problems, but there's a lot of good things I like. So yeah, it seems like there's been some kind of issue they've been fighting over oh. the last what? When did they join together? Forty years ago, <laughs> whatever it is, fifty years ago. Yeah. Well, Meth- Methodism actually dates all the way back to oh, 1700s. Yeah. Sure, and, John Wesley. But the, John Wesley, but the the, the, the United Methodist right. Church, which has never been united, um, <laughs> was, goes back to 1968. Right. So, so we're 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 and and that's probably about where it's going to end. It, we're not on. Not on the growing. No, start. it's not. It's not. No, that's yeah. That's what I mean. United Methodist. I know Methodism goes back to the 1700s. Everybody, before you yeah. even you even uh, tweet that. So, all right, Kev, we're gonna get in. I'm gonna get into a couple questions here okay. on your Bible stuff. So pull up your uh, three dimensional 3D uh, Bible app there. Now you're not gonna find it in there because it's gonna be know. your questions. I don't. Know. I don't know how quick I can think. I'm all right. getting old. Scariest story in the Bible. Scariest story in the Bible. Um, I'm not sure about looking down in a valley of a bunch of dead bones and watching them start rattling and coming together and skin growing over and <laughs> standing up. I, you know, I, I mean, that's just the first one off the top of my head. I, so mine was uh, Lazarus and the Rich Man. Yeah, yeah. That was pretty scary. Dude's looking up from hell, and uh, he can. It's just right out of his reach, man, and he can reach all day long, but he ain't getting back. Yeah, reaching reaching across across the Gulf. Yeah. yeah. The Gulf, the Gulf of, uh, yeah. yeah. Funniest, funniest story in the Bible. I've got mine. Uh, I think one of the funniest stories in the Bible is the story of Elisha. A lot of people aren't even aware of it, where he, he calls down the, the, the judgment of God on some boys that were mocking him. They called him old baldhead, and it says a bunch of, of she-bears came out of the woods and ate 40 boys. <laughs> What's that about? Literally or allegory? Well, there you go. Is it literal? Is it allegory? Well, it doesn't That's matter. But my my favorite story is foreskins for a wife. <laughs> <laughs> you bring me a foreskins of uh, forty million Philistines, and I'll give you a wife. wife Can you imagine? Get that guy walking down that walking down the street with a bag of foreskins thrown over his shoulder in a bag. <laughs> well, you know, and you that's know. kind of redundant. You've got a bunch of bags in a no, not that those are bags, but in a bag. That you know, and then there's the one where. Um, where where they the Israelites tell these people that wanna wanna join them, but they know they're trying to spy on them. If if, if you want to join us, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to uh, circumcise you first. Yeah. And it says while they mm-hmm. were still in pain, three <laughs> days later they killed them all. <laughs> you know? Three days? How you'd be in pain for three months, wouldn't you? Or uh, three yes. years? Or psychologically, the rest of your life, there wouldn't you? There you go. There you go. That's why we do it to babies. Please do it when I can. <laughs> Please do it when so I can't remember it. All right, let's see. Um, most misunderstood Bible verse. Most misunderstood Bible verse. Uh, I know the plans I have for you, plans mm-hmm. to prosper and give you a future and a hope. Uh, everybody ignores the verse before the verses before it, where it says you're going to suffer, your nation's going to be taken away from you, you're going <laughs> to lose everything, and you're going to be left destitute. And then Sweet. I know the plans I have for you. So. Yeah, it looks pretty on T-shirts, but you better read it in its context. Yeah, uh huh. And um, let's, yeah, that is a it's a pretty good example right there. So we got the Bible verses up there. Um, how much of it is literal? You, do you think? How much is a, a metaphor or allegory, as they say? Well, one of the basic principles of hermeneutics. There's your theological word for the day. Huh? 
hermeneutics. That's a study of, of Herman? inter- hermeneutics. It's a study of preaching and, and biblical interpretation. Um, but one of the, one of the first principles is read things in its plainest, clearest sense first before you start looking for hidden meanings. So so I'll, I'll tell you the truth, and I, I get razzed by this even by other Methodist preachers. I tend to take most of the Bible fairly literally. Um, there's obviously some verses that need to be interpreted, but I put it in its context and take it at face value for what it says first. And then you can start looking for the other meanings. Um, you know, stories like getting eaten by bears. I mean, I don't know about that, but there it is. But, you know, the Bible says there was a flood. I believe there is a flood. We don't have all the details either, realize. You know, we just have a, a sketch of what happened. It's pretty easy to understand getting eaten by a bear. I mean, that's pretty believable. Well, in those days, I mean, it probably, you know. Did they have bears? And Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, you wouldn't. I, I can't bear to think about it. <laughs> oh, gosh. He does that every week. I'm, 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 a little, I'm a little fuzzy on that one. He's a little punished. Go ahead. <laughs> Yeah, there's. I mean, there's all kinds of uh, stuff that people argue over, and I mean, till the end of time. And uh, you know, I was. I'm li- so I'm listening to a book right now called Heaven and Hell. It's by uh, Erath. Let me look it up here. Um, it's really interesting. He's a. I haven't got to the end of the book yet, so I don't really know if he maintained being a Christian or not. But um, I'm going to pull it up on my Audible app here, and I'm not getting paid, although I wish I was. Uh, Bart D. Ehrman. Hmm. A history of the afterlife, heaven and hell. Um, he gives all, of course, a, a good portion of the book is dedicated to the Christian perspective and the Old and New Testament perspective. And of course, the Old Testament always talks about Sheol and all that right. stuff. So, um, but he gives a little bit of Hindu and a little bit of Muslim, um, uh, not diatribes, but uh, a lot of their scripture. And uh, it's pretty interesting, and um, he he gives a lot of uh, stuff. It's pretty, I mean, it's pretty uh, argumentative. Yeah. Um, but I I always like to get kind of no pun intended, the devil's advocate on a lot there of this go. stuff. So, uh, but he he went into Revelation a lot, and how much of that is metaphor, and how much of that is literal, and uh, I mean, he he doesn't he makes you think a little bit on. There, there's some pretty strong arguments that the Book of Revelation is written more as what we call apocalyptic literature, not necessarily right. intended to be read. Literally, but you also got to realize everything in the Bible is written to and about a specific people that lived at a yeah. time. Revelation is written to real people at the uh, you know in the, at the end of the first century and uh, into the second century in the Roman Empire and all that the Roman Empire did. So, yeah, there's some you know you got you got to look at you, you always got to look at the context. Sure, and, you know you got to look at its historical context, original language. You know, word words can mean very different things. Like in 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 the New Testament, you see the word love. We just think love. There's three different right. words for love in the in the Greek New Testament. You know, and and so you got to understand which words being used and what its context is. Yeah, yeah. So, it's a uh, that's why there's been books and books written on one book. It's pretty uh pretty interesting stuff. But uh, well, Revelation's the end of it. So um. That's probably a pretty good spot to end the uh, this episode yeah. of of somewhat serious, somewhat um, that, that that I didn't hear our sponsor uh, cut yet this week, but it might be foreskins for a wife. So I'm gonna have to go back and check on our sponsorship and see if uh, they're willing to pay the uh, pay the freight this week for um, for this episode. So guys, we uh, really want to appreciate Kev, and uh, before we go, we really want to extend our uh, 
we're our joy that we've had him, but our extensive sadness to see him go. We've he's been here the entire time our kids have been alive, and that's for some reason means something to us. I don't know why, but uh, it's a uh, really a uh, it'll be a sad day to see him go. But as everybody knows, life goes on, and uh, we uh, dearly love his, Kevin and his wife, and uh, just uh, wish you well and uh, don't don't burn up, don't fall in a grave or anything like that when you go down to the Permian Basin. Well, we've been down there before. We've lived in Odessa twice, so we know the area well. Leaving Hereford's going to be tough. We've really enjoyed it. And I, I said I'm going to have to get black and gold and have a Mustang shirt for the football season <laughs> for the Andrews Mustang. But I just might wear my white face shirt underneath. Well, so What we'll are you going to do without those sod poodle games? Oh, man, I'm bummed about that. Well, we, we're only in not about an hour from Midland, so we can go watch the, the Rock Hounds. Oh, okay. We can watch the sod poodle. We were freaked out, man, over there not having a fit baseball season this year. That just got me really. We were so excited for it. But there you go. And they, is it completely canceled? I believe they are pretty oh, much wow. done. Wow. I don't know. They There's been all kinds of talk, but I think it's pretty much over. Yeah. They can't really get a season in now unless they play in November, which is okay, too. Yeah. I mean, it stays warm pretty long, pretty good yeah. long time here. So. so, But, Brent, we appreciate you. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. Yeah, man. I had to get you on here. We said we'd do this sometime. and I, I'm trying to think of a good good joke for you to go out on. Here you go. And this, this one will, will really lose half your audience probably and get me in trouble. But All right. I'll go from two to one. What 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 uh, what song is never sung in the Catholic Church anymore? <laughs> What's that? He touched, me. Oh, he touched me. Okay. Hey, everybody. Uh, that's Kevin Bushart. If you need him, I don't know if you he wants his Twitter handle out there, but it's at Rev Kev, and you can send all hate mail direct messages to that address if you want to. And um, you can also find us because I'm supposed to remember to tell everybody where to find us. That's the Dryland Farmer Podcast. That's at Trader Brent, and whenever Landon gets around to doing it, that's at No Twit Landon Forty Four. He is our co-host, my co-host, and you're going to find us all over the Global Ag Network iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, probably not anything um, religious related. Maybe maybe this week. I'm going to have to put religion and God in the uh, tag words this week so the uh, metadata will get caught up in that. So maybe I'll get a couple extra listeners and um, maybe even some converts to Methodism. But uh, guys, and also, of course, find us on the Global Ag Network. And uh, see, what is it? It's not Eat, Pray, Love. That's a movie. Eat Farm Now. It's a deal over in England. They've got a great website. Check them out. And until next time, everybody, we'll ask you, what side of the line are you on? The Dry Line Farmer Podcast brought to you by Foreskins for a Wife. It's not really a thing anymore. It was like 3,000 years ago, but now you can just take her out on a date. The Dry Line Farmer Podcast, all rights reserved, 2020 a member of the Global Ag Network.